The joy in this place is almost electric. Can you feel it? You see, we often rejoice when something has happened. And today we rejoice because someone has happened. Christ has come. Have you ever been in a space and watch a a group of people or someone rejoicing and it's contagious and you almost wonder, what are they rejoicing about? What is it that is so exciting? I'm brought back to a memory, just five years old. I, I stumbled out of our one bedroom apartment into the family room and I still remember the, the color of the carpet it was brown. The couches, they were also brown. The walls were, were beige, just straight up early 1980s. And as I walked out, I heard this commotion, uh, rejoicing. My mom was in the family room alone, dancing and rejoicing. And I thought as a five-year-old, I thought, this is glorious. A party in the middle of the day? What are we partying about? What are we rejoicing? As she was dancing to the music on the TV, this this little tiny TV, she was was moving her hands in a strange direction across the family room floor. And I just thought, what on earth is she rejoicing about? I thought, surely there's got to be a reason, right? Because we rejoice when something has happened. In Chicago, we're really good at rejoicing in those those maybe rare moments when our favorite sports teams finally win some sort of championship, or, or we rejoice when we see a child play in the snow for the first time. We rejoice at weddings. We rejoice at the birth of a new child. We rejoice when something has happened. Now, you might be wondering, well, what was your mom rejoicing about? What was the release of the new music video, Walk Like an Egyptian, which I learned then. But we rejoice when something has happened, don't we? And at the heart of the Christian tradition, why we gather on this very special and holy night, is that we rejoice because of the coming of the Christ child, fully divine and fully human. That is why we rejoice. And now also at the same time, I recognize that as many of you gather in here tonight, whether you're here or you're joining us online, you may not feel like rejoicing. For many different reasons, holidays can be difficult. It can kick up feelings of grief or even loneliness or anxiety or or pressures from family. It can be a very difficult and painful, maybe you're going through this Christmas season for the first time without a loved one. Maybe the feelings of loneliness is is too much to bear. Or maybe you're grappling with a new diagnosis or a new financial situation. Or maybe you're waiting on an answer. We don't always feel like rejoicing even when the rejoicing is electric or even contagious. And so tonight, I'd like to pull back the curtains on three very familiar stories surrounding the Christmas story and how they respond to this something or this someone that had happened. And in some moments we see rejoicing, but others choose not to rejoice. And as we weave these three different stories in and out of music tonight, I wanna invite you to reflect on where do you see yourself on these 
three stories. And so we begin with our first scene coming from Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, beginning at verse 4. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was, was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests. And now we want to look at Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? He saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. This is the word of the Lord on this Christmas Eve day. This first scene, of course, we have the very familiar Christmas story that we gather tonight. We see Mary and Joseph wrap their child in cloth and they lie him in a manger as angels are rejoicing, as shepherds are rejoicing in a nearby field. And after the birth, we have three individuals in many respects within the Christian tradition are considered outsiders, if you will. See, they were Zoroastrian priests. They would have been from the occult or pagan or Gentile. They weren't among the people of God as we know it within scripture. Uh, they would have been well-versed in astronomy or astrology. They knew the stars well. And they weren't part of, of the Jewish people of God or Israel. And yet somehow they discerned that there was a king that would be called the king of the Jews that would be born. And so they go on this massively long adventure, some thousand miles or more, as they follow a star that is rising from the east and they reach the city of Jerusalem. And as they reach the city of Jerusalem, they ask for directions. Where is this child that is going to be born called the king of the Jews? And the story continues now in Matthew 2, verse 3. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be. In Bethlehem, Judea. 
Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go and worship him. And after they heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. One has to wonder why when when the three magi arrived to this super city, when they arrived to Jerusalem with superstructures everywhere, and they come to King Herod, who, by the way, called himself the king of the Jews, And these magi are looking for the king of the Jews and they arrive in this big and glorious city and they they meet this king who has won many wars. Uh, He has been favored among the people because he took the uh, temple and he expanded it and he did in many ways, many, although he did many terrible things, he also did many great things. And so we have to wonder when the magi arrived and they meet the king of the Jews, why did they not bow down and worship him there? Because on the other hand, hand, in stark contrast, we have Jesus, born in the silence of the night, surrounded by animals, and in a manger, in the margins of society, nothing glorious, no military victories to become king, So why Jesus? See, the Magi had discerned that something had happened that was bigger than King Herod, that was life-altering, that was worth traveling some 1,000 miles for. They they understood that it wasn't the veneer. Uh, They understood that it wasn't the power. They understood that it wasn't the wealth. They understood that it wasn't the, the conquering wars. They knew that something, that someone had happened. That is, Jesus happened. Something bigger than themselves, that someone had happened. They understood that the entire cosmos had been moving towards one, that all of the world's hopes and longings and aches had been moving towards one, and his name was Jesus. They, they understood that, that all of the world's brokenness would find its healing in one, and his name is Jesus. And at that very moment that the Magi lie their eyes on this baby in the manger, they rejoice because they knew that something, someone had happened and his name is Jesus. I'd like to return now to our first scene, the one with the Magi, but now reflect on another character in this story. See, in the middle of this story, of course, is King Herod who after discovering that the Magi wanted to see the king of the Jews, he got insecure, jealous, power hungry even. And he manipulates the situation and asks the Magi, where is he so I can worship him too? We know that he has murder in his heart as he sets a decree for all baby boys now to be murdered. 
Herod missed this moment that someone, that something had happened because he didn't want someone to usurp his greatness. He was, after all, Herod the Great, the king of the Jews. And he was terrified of his power and his greatness being stripped from him for he wanted to be the center of Israel's story. And so instead of giving in and worshiping and seeing and laying his eyes on this someone, this king, he instead misses the moment. I mentioned at the outset of this message to reflect on where do you see yourself in these three different stories? Which story is your story? Perhaps tonight you're the Magi. You see, in the context of the Christian story, in many ways they were outsiders. They didn't have the religious pedigree. They wouldn't have had scripture memorized. These were not the people that that knew what to wear when you come to church. These were the people that didn't have the background. Uh, These weren't the people that knew when to stand up or, or when to sit down. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know the songs, but that didn't matter to them because they understood that someone, that something was happening and had happened and that someone had come and they wanted to worship Jesus. And what we discover in reading this story is that when they find the manger, we see a beautiful picture of the kingdom of God. That when they surround the manger and they worship Jesus there in the manger, we learn that you don't have to have a pedigree to be welcomed in God's kingdom. That you don't have to have the religious background, that you don't even have to have your life together first that God invites us to come just as we are, whether we have it together or not. Perhaps you're feeling like you don't have that religious background either. Or perhaps you're feeling you don't have the perfect story. To the Magi in this room tonight, the gift of the king in the manger is that someone has come And that even the most estranged, that that even the most broken, that even the most outsider is welcomed and known and loved in God's kingdom. That's you. You are welcome in God's kingdom. Or maybe tonight you're like Anna, waiting, waiting, waiting. Maybe this is your first Christmas without a loved one. Or maybe you're waiting for purpose and belonging. Maybe you're waiting on an answer. Maybe you're waiting for companionship or healing. And day in and day out, it almost feels like a terrible movie of Groundhog's Day as you're just waiting and it's the same over and over again. But what she discovers is that the moment that she lays eyes on Jesus, that all of her longings had been met in one, that Jesus had happened and that it was life-changing for her. To the Annas in this room, 
to the waiting, to the hoping, to the aching, to the hurting, to the grieving, to the longing. Someone, King Jesus, has happened. And Jesus is truly the answer to our longings and hopes for this life here on earth and after. Or maybe you're King Herod. (laughs) None of us want to be King Herod. We're thinking, oh, that's not me. No, no, no. But if we're honest, we're all King Herod at some point, aren't we? We all have these King Herods in our heart. That is, it's whatever ultimately feeds our ego. It's whatever we want to protect, or maybe it's whatever has a grip over our lives, whether it's an addiction or something that has control of us that we cannot let go and give to God. It's, it's whatever we want to grow or strengthen for our own personal gain. Perhaps uh, the Herods in your life are your own career. You want to get to the top and that's the goal. That's the ultimate. Or maybe it's power. If you could have more power and more influence in this world, then, then maybe then your life would be set or maybe a success at all cost. And the more success we experience, the more we want it, don't we? Or maybe it's it's health, or maybe it's bricks and mortar, our home, or financial success, whatever it is. These are the Herods that as we stand before Jesus, are we terrified of Jesus usurping the greatness of those things in our life? So you can walk out this door continuing to build your own greatness, but I can testify to you that it's just gonna always leave you feeling lacking and wanting and longing for more. And the hole that you keep digging for more just keeps getting bigger and bitter, bigger, and it'll never bring the lasting joy that Jesus can bring. I love the way Pastor Eugene Peterson once put it. He says, the enormous entertainment industry in America is a sign of the depletion of joy in our culture. Society is a bored, gluttonous king employing a court jester to divert it in an overindulgent meal. But that kind of joy never penetrates our lives. It never changes our basic constitution. The effects are extremely temporary. A few minutes, a few hours, a a few days at most. When we run out of money, the joy trickles away. We cannot make ourselves joyful. Joy cannot be commanded, purchased, or arranged. But there is something we can do. We can decide to live in response to the abundance of God and not under the dictatorship of our own poor needs. Joy cannot be purchased or arranged, we cannot produce joy on our own. I don't know where you are today. Perhaps you're like the Magi, wondering if there's a place for you in God's kingdom. Or perhaps you're like Anna, waiting and longing and hoping. Perhaps you're like Herod and you've been seeking for greatness and seeking for some sort of lasting joy, hoping that you can earn it or purchase it, but it only leaves you longing for more and lacking. You see, the good news tonight 
is that the abundance of God is here that someone has happened, that over 2,000 years ago, the entire cosmos had been leading towards one moment, a fully human and fully divine child lying in a manger with nearby shepherds rejoicing, with Anna rejoicing, with the Magi bowing down and worshiping because they understood that someone, something had happened And this child grew to teach and preach an alternative way of living, one that embodied hope and love and peace and healing and shalom and reconciliation, right in stark contrast of a weary and broken and hurting world. And Jesus continued to call people over and over to this new kind of way of living. We see this Jesus elevating the voices of the marginalized and hurting. We see him moving towards the outcasts of society and expanding the table and welcoming them. We see him elevating the voices of women and children. We see him setting the captives free. And over and over and over, when people encounter Jesus and truly open their eyes to the abundance of God given for them, we see rejoicing. Here's what I want you to know. I'm not some career pastor trying to preach my best sermon tonight. But I'm publicly testifying to you that someone happened in my life at 16 years old. That someone came into my life as hurting, depressed, broken, traumatized, feeling like an outcast in many regards, wandering, hurting. And I opened my Bible one evening to the Gospel of Luke and I read about this someone. And I got down on my knees next to my bed and the only words that could come out of my mouth were, thank you, Jesus. And there in my bedroom at 16 years old, I rejoiced. And the entire trajectory of my life shifted at that moment as that someone continues to shape and transform my life, establish my steps, and give me a community within the people of God. And I can testify you that in those moments as I'm learning more and more to say yes to hope, yes to life, yes to meaning, yes to purpose, yes to Jesus, there have been so many countless moments in my life where I've been the Magi or I've been Anna and I've especially been Herod over and over. I don't know where you are tonight, but my hope for you, for us, is that as we celebrate that something massive has happened in this world and that someone has come to us and that someone is here now, I pray that you would choose to say yes to that someone. That someone came to give abundance and purpose and hope and meaning here now. Today I choose that one. Who or what do you choose? Let us pray. Lord, we thank you 
that you, the one, the only, the way, the truth, the life has come to us and that you have given us life and life abundant. We pray for the Annas in this room who are waiting and aching. God, would you meet with them? We pray for the Magi in here that are maybe wondering what they're even doing here tonight. God, would you meet with them? When we pray for the Herods in this room that keep seeking for more and more and it's leaving them only just wanting more. God, would you meet with them? And Lord, we collectively to the one, to the king, to the only, we say, yes, Jesus, amen.